ABC Radio. You're listening to Nightlife. Nightlife with Philip Clark. Well, to National News of the Day, it's been a momentous occasion for the Prime Minister. He was in San Diego with uh, US President Joe Biden and the UK's Prime Minister Rishi Sunak uh, addressing the nation with the biggest defence announcement in our history. Some would argue the biggest uh, defence or change in defence posture in our history too. We are joined tonight by Jennifer Hewitt, National Affairs Columnist with the Australian Financial Review. Jennifer, good evening. Welcome to Nightlife. Pleasure to be here, Phil. Well, it's $368 billion, way more than the, than was expected or, or leaked. How do you think Australians are reacting to the news? Is there a feeling of excitement, of nation-building, as the Prime Minister would have us believe, or is there something else? Oh, look, I think there's going to be a bit of a problem with the with just the cost. I mean, the thing is, of course, if you multiply everything, anything over 30 years almost, you come up with some pretty extraordinary figures. As uh, some of my colleagues in the Financial Review have been reporting, if you took the current cost of the NDIS, for example, and, and multiplied it over 30 years, you'd end up with something like $2 trillion if it wasn't changed. So it, it, it becomes... Um, uh, a, a bit of an exercise in in semantics about how much these things cost, but uh, but there is no doubt that it will be a sensitive issue, uh, which is why the government's trying to say two things. Um, one is that it really just you know what's what's a little extra point one five percent of of the of the you know cost of GDP budget to GDP over over thirty years really nothing you'll hardly notice um, which is not true um, and uh, and two but this is actually what we've got to do because um, uh, the, the, you know the circumstances have you know have changed so much and actually did I say two things I mean three things the third thing is of course this will be an investment. Uh, in Australian jobs and the in, in industry, and therefore um, it's not just kind of money kind of going to defence and submarines. It's all about you know huge investment in industry and manufacturing, and it'll kind of create all these other benefits for Australia. Yes, I mean the Prime Minister said that quote the scale, complexity, and economic significance of the investment is akin to the creation of the Australian automotive industry in post World War Two. Is that overplaying it, or do you think that's fair? Well, I, look, I think it's overplaying it in the sense that um, uh, Australia, um, you know, at that stage was going through, you know, um, uh, at the development of a mass manufacturing industry, and this is obviously going to be, you know, niche at, you know, in in terms of skills and things, but obviously it does have huge um, potential. Uh, for Australian industry and research and development, how much that is realised? It certainly won't be the mass kind of manufacturing and, and jobs that that the but car industry that the car industry was about. surely no, not. It, no. it, it will not be, but um, it, it does have, you know, at least the allure and the potential of saying, look, we could, you know, all these advanced technologies and quantum technology and AI and now we'll all get into sharing all of this information and technology and, you know, this will provide and, and, and you know, providing for the supply chain in the US and the UK and this will be all great. Well, look, it may be um, for certain businesses, I'm sure there'll be um, very big benefits and and I would hope that, you know, Australian Australians do have, you know, incredible skills in some types of manufacturing and some types of research and, and hopefully they can multiply that. But I think 
in the sense of how much it's going to um, leverage the potential of Australian industry, I think that mm. is probably exaggerated. Yeah, this was um, the Prime Minister, Mr Albanese, today. The scale, complexity and economic significance of this investment is akin to the creation of the Australian automotive industry in the post-World War II period. And just as the vision of my predecessors, Curtin and Chifley, in creating our automotive industry, lifted up our entire manufacturing sector, this investment will be a catalyst for innovation and research breakthroughs that will reverberate right throughout the Australian economy and across every state and territory. I'm not trying to be a wet blanket here, but is, 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 is the Prime Minister really trying to do, hit some touchstones, manufacturing, Curtin, Chifley, the car industry, all of which chime with Australians who bemoan the loss of manufacturing in this country oh, yes. as, a way, well, as a way of obscuring what's actually happening? Yes, well, that's, that's completely right, of course. I mean, Labor governments have a tendency, but particularly... Um, this latest one, but it's certainly not the first one, to say, you know, we, we've got to be a country that makes things mm. uh, and we've lost that ability and, and, and you know, we've got to rebuild it and, and that we've got, we're going to have this whole fund for this and fun for that. and and uh, But, you know, really the, the um, allure of mass manufacturing and jobs coming from that is really overblown, I think. Yeah. Um, so I, I, you know, I certainly don't decry the fact that the need for investment in research and energy um, and development of technology, of course, there'll be lots of fabulous individual success stories, but but not to the in the way that um, he is describing. The other issue is, of course, um, look, in terms of the costs, obviously, there'll be huge amounts of government money poured uh, into this. Can we actually afford this? Well, um, you can afford you can afford all sorts of things as long as the economy keeps growing. Hmm. Um, that's actually going to be the much bigger problem, I think. And so far, we, you know, Australia's always been pretty good at growing its economy, um, but not necessarily through government dictate about what they should be right. investing in. That has not had a happy history. Um, the whole history of, in fact, Australian defence procurement has been a very um, sorry one of um, cost blowouts and mistakes and, and delays and delays. delays and things like that. So I'm not I'm, I'm not entirely confident that this is suddenly going to miraculously um, change that. And and the other point is that despite the money involved, if you look at something like the Inflation Reduction Act, which is of course a ridiculous name in the US, but it's basically hundreds of millions of dollars. Um, um, being put into um, uh, it, renewable energy, mm. for example. So we don't we don't tend to do things like that, um, mm. and that that's going to change the game in that area. Now, and that you know everything's connected to everything else, of course. Um, and how this works out with defence technology without those kind of direct subsidies, I don't know. Well, we'll, we'll have to see. But do you I, think the government but, might might be tempted to say, well, look? Uh, just look at the stage three tax cuts going forward. These this is worth something like two hundred plus billion in tax foregone. Mm. Mm. Uh, you know, looking up against the bill of three hundred and sixty eight billion for the subs. Look, guys, we frankly cannot afford these tax cuts anymore. We've got to pay for the subs. Uh, I mean, it's either that or they say, look, the second biggest expenditure in Australia at the moment is the NDIS. 
we've got to pay for the subs, you're going to have to have less. Are we going to be saying things like that? And what do you think about the opportunity to can the tax cuts? Well, I, I think the government will be reluctant to can them entirely. I think they may tweak them, but that's something they're going to come to later. Frankly, I don't think they've got a clue yet. Mm. Uh, similarly with the NDIS, which we all know is kind of completely out of control in terms of growing it, and, and it it's not. It is. It's not, mm. it's not doing what anybody had intended it to do. It's it's a um, it's a real problem, um, and yet. We've, we've now got a review. That'll take ages. I, I think that, that's the problem for the government. Um, they've, they've got these ambitions. They don't really, I can't see any suggestion that they're going to dramatically cut spending. Um, so that gets you to taxes. And yet we, we, we're, not, we're not fiddling around, we're not doing more than fiddling around with taxes, for example, the, the stuff on super. So hmm. I, I don't know where, the, where they're going to go. And, frankly, I'm not convinced they know where they're going to go mm. on this. Someone reminded me today that I think it was John Howard who actually put a, put a levy on, didn't he, over East Timor and said, look, you know, this is going to cost us a lot of money. Well, we'll have to have a levy. Uh, and it came off again. Uh, I mean, it, I mean, would, do you think that that's a political option? Would, would people cop that? Would the government want to go down that way and say, look, you know, we're going to have to put a tax levy on to pay for this? Well, I have no seen no sign yet that they're they're contemplating that. Um, on the other hand, I can't also see how they make anything like the figures add up. Hmm. So um, at the moment, of course, you know, governments, despite all the rhetoric about long term vision, and you know, as, as you noticed, Avanese um, talked, you know, about vision and things. For the moment, um, their, their, their costs are fairly modest. The the increase over the next four years is actually only $9 billion. Um, and, the, and they're going to be able to pay for that because they've cancelled the French subs project. So they'll save, you know, like theoretically hmm. save $6 billion, And then they'll find $3 billion elsewhere, somewhere in defence. And frankly, defence is such a, you know, strange and bloated animal. Um, that won't be too hard. So the hard decisions on this will not come immediately. They're definitely there for the long term, but um, I, I I'm not persuaded that the government is going to do anything too tough um, yet. Mm. Jennifer Hewitt's with us, national affairs columnist with the Australian Financial Review. The one thing you can say is that any uh, Keatingist vision of Australia having some sort of more independent stance in the Indo-Pacific is completely out the window, isn't it? This this does lock Australia in forever into uh, being a, an, an, a, you know, a, an, the, an arm in the Pacific of, the, of US policy, doesn't it? Yes, I think it, I think it does. I, I mean, you can, you can argue a little bit about, oh, you still have, you know, sovereignty and you still have control of, you know, the boats and decisions and things like that. But, but I don't think there's any doubt that it locks Australia in far more tightly yeah. to the US alliance. On the other hand, since Keating's time, the, the the change in the region has been China, and that is a it, that is a completely different um, country uh, with completely different power, and uh, and a willingness to assert its power uh, that happened you know than than was apparent even ten years ago, but certainly you know when Keating was in, in power. So I know he 
um, is very, very critical of, of this agreement and mm. he's not alone in that. But I think circumstances have changed dramatically. That is actually not realistic to think that um, Australia and can do without the web of alliances that they're enmeshed in. It's broader than the US, but obviously far broader. I mean, if you look at the quad and things, but obviously the US is the linchpin. Mm. Yep. On to another topic just before you go to uh, energy prices. Now, this is a big issue for Australians. And uh, Chris Bowen um, said that energy prices were going to go down, uh, particularly after the government took a decision to intervene in the market and uh, introduce a 12-month price on price cap on coal and gas, but it hasn't worked, has it? Well, of course, they're going to say it's worked brilliantly um, because prices are, have, uh, are going up, but not as much as they would have otherwise. <laughs> um, and, and in fact, um, Australians will, m- many Australians, not all, but mm. it's in southeast Queensland and New South Wales and in South Australia um, today, we, on Wednesday, um, the uh, the regulator will announce um, the, the the retail prices or the what's called a very weird name the default market offer, mm. which means you know basically the cap on on what um, people can be offered um, as as for pricing for residential pricing and small business pricing, and that's going to go up by at least twenty percent. Huh. So the government will say it would have been worse. It would have been worse um, had we not done this. Um, and it, it, look, it may have been slightly worse, but um, in in fact, there's the, the many of these increases are going to pay for what happened last year. Um, then we get to this kind of complication about what the government's going to do uh, this year because they're still they're still arguing with the industry about their plans to introduce a what is called a reasonable pricing regime. And, of course, what is a reasonable price is very much in the eyes of the beholder. Um, and um, the, the, basically the industry saying, look, prices are coming down anyway. International prices have come down. There's enough supply in the domestic market. There was a you know, weirdo you know, mm. kind of mention of things last year. If you put price controls on indefinitely, which you, that is what you're saying you will do, we will just not invest in supply anymore. And that's actually going to, you know, create problems over the long term and create higher prices. This is a standoff. There's no easy answers. Um, but the result is that from July 1, most people, because um, Victoria will kind of come to this later, but we'll have a similar story. Uh, most people on the east coast of Australia will be facing prices of a further 20% increase. Hmm. Yep. All right. Um, Jennifer, terrific to talk. Appreciate it. Thank you. Pleasure. You've been listening to a Nightlife podcast. For more great conversations about the issues that impact you, as well as features on travel and food, head to the Nightlife webpage. You'll find it at abc.net.au slash nightlife. You don't need to be a night owl to enjoy the nightlife. 